Well, good morning. It is good to be with you. Really good to be together and to see you today. These are interesting days. They continue to be that. But I, I love what we just sang. The reality is that even when I don't see it, he's at work. Even when I don't feel it, he's at work. It's just who he is. And I love the song that we sang before that because there's this reality that if I know that God has moved mountains before, then if I trust him, I know that he can do it again. And he will. So as we live through these days, I, I want to remind you, you are loved. God loves you. I love you. I'm grateful for you. Uh, I'm grateful for those of you who are in the room today. For our online family, we are so grateful for you. And I understand these days are interesting. And so for some of you, um, this is the best way for you to connect and stay a part of the family. And, and I just know that each and every week that we are together, it does something to lift our spirits and build our hearts. And you're loved as well. And I'm just so grateful for you. I'm grateful that we get to spend this time together. And we need one another. Today as we, we go to the final conclusion of the letter of First Peter that we've been walking through together. Um, it's going to be a great reminder of how to finish things well. We all, we all at points go through life and we face struggles. He talks about struggles. Um, but how you conclude things matters. Um, this conclusion teaches you and I today um, how to persevere in the midst of great challenge in this world today. And you're going to see that even in the moments of suffering, and we all suffer because we're human, we're all people, we're all sons of Adam and daughters of Eve, and therefore in our humanity, we are going to face challenges of various kinds. And Simon Peter talks about that. And today in 1 Peter chapter five, he shows us in this final few verses, how to overcome those things together. So go on and get your Bibles and start turning to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. As you're turning there, uh, I want to make you aware of something for just uh, a moment. Something that I need you as the church to do and for you and our online family likewise for you. Um, tomorrow is our first full day here at Calvary Baptist School. We, we started this past week. Um, introducing uh, in a phased opening, a very safe and, and appropriate opening for different grades. We started this past week introducing parents and students to our safe protocols, but yet in preparation for school starting on campus and in person tomorrow. Um, now, now, I want you to understand something about that, and this is why I'm about to ask you to do something. Um, sometimes as a leader, you have to make decisions that are, that are not popular, um, also decisions that are very hard. Um, you have to make choices where you don't know the outcome. You don't know um, what's going to happen, but, but that's what leaders do. They make that choice and they don't make that choice um, just to say, Hey, we're going to prove to you that we can do this, or we're, we're going to, you know, show the government or somebody else or go against you. No, you make that choice because you have courage and you have faith and you believe in something. At Calvary Baptist School, we believe in our children. We believe in the environment that we provide that is safe, that is very deliberately Christian, and that also 
allows them to get back to a best case scenario season of life. And so we are going to open tomorrow. But I want you to be aware of this because I need you to do two things. Uh, we are opening tomorrow and here's the reality. The world that we live in has changed. People have to make decisions and people have to deal with emotions and thoughts and all that. So we open tomorrow at 50% capacity and therefore 50% resource to fund our school year. That's the reality. And with that, that's a decision that we make by faith because we trust in God and we believe in these children that we educate here in a very Christian intentional way. And so you can imagine the stress and the tension, but yet also the faith that it requires to open up a campus and a school at half the resource needed for a school year. Now that's very, very challenging. So how can you help? Here's the reality. First and foremost, always, and this is legitimate, and I'm asking you to do this. Number one, I need every one of you in the Calvary family to pray. And I need you to pray for a couple of things. First, I want you to pray for God's protection of Calvary Baptist School. God's protection of every child, every family that has enrolled and taken a step of faith on their part to commit to their child's education here this year. And I want you to pray for the protection of all of our faculty and our staff and our administration. We are going for it because we believe in it. We believe in the children and the families, and we believe that we can point them to the highest authority, the one who has made heavens and earth, and the one who is their protector, even when times are difficult, unexplainable, and hard. We want to put that seed of faith in the lives of all of the children here. And so I want, to, want you to ask that God would protect that. But secondly, there is a reality that God has a way of doing things even when we don't see it, when we don't know where it's going to come from or how it's going to happen. God has a way of providing. So I want to encourage all of you, both in this room today and in our online family, join with me in supernaturally asking God to provide for the needs of Calvary Baptist School so that there is a future beyond this year and there is a reality where children and their families can be blessed in this community with a Christian education. But that's going to require God coming through with his provision. And God comes through when his children ask. Don't know where it's going to come from. Don't know how it's going to happen. But I know that he can. And I ask you to join with me in praying for those type of miracles this upcoming year as the children start tomorrow. Perhaps you know of someone who their school year right now is uncertain. And they need a great environment, a safe environment, a controlled environment, but a Christian environment to educate their children this year. Hey, now would be the time to pass that word along. So I encourage you to do that to your family and your friends. Or if you haven't considered what you're going to do with your own children or grandchildren, it's a great place, measured, safe, but Christian and pointing children to the hope that really comes from knowing Christ. So I wanna encourage you, join me if you will in praying for that, that would be helpful this year. And what a great transition into the last few verses of First Peter. Because basically what he acknowledges is that every one of us in some capacity at some season of life will face a temporary struggle. So what do you do 
when you face a temporary struggle. Well, let's stand together and read the last words of Simon Peter the Apostle from 1 Peter chapter 5. And for those of you online, you will see the words on the screen for you. But in this room, we stand in honor of the word because it represents God's divine perspective for us on how to live in this world. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, this is what the Bible says. And he writes to us, be sober. Be sober. Be of sober spirit, he says. Be on the alert. In other words, pay attention. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering, in other words, the same things that you are going through, those things are being accomplished or experienced by your brothers and sisters who are all around the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, he will himself perfect you, confirm you, strengthen you, and establish you to him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Through Silvanus, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. And she who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, she sends you greetings. And so does my son, Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love and peace be to you all who are in Christ. What great words to finish this letter to believers who are dealing with various trials. Whatever it was that they were walking through all around the known world of his day. And these words help, him un help them understand how do you finish strong in the midst of these struggles that are temporary. We're going to look at that today, but let's pray first. God, I, I ask that now truly and humbly beyond this moment of our humanity that you would do something of your divinity, that you would speak supernaturally through your spirit to every heart both in this room and in our online family, to each of us as men and women, sons and daughters of you, both those who are following closely and those who are wandering or those who even don't know, but yet are still sons and daughters created to know you. So would you draw us all in by something that is beyond me and beyond this moment? Draw us in by your Holy Spirit to hear your voice, to know your way, and to respond by faith through the Savior who redeems our soul. His name is Jesus, and in that name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today's talk, today's message, um, I'm calling it out of the first word that we read there from this passage. Sober. Sober. What does it mean to be sober? 
Well, immediately when that word comes out sober, uh, it, it conjures up within us um, these, these fleshly, these worldly understandings of what it means to be sober. Um, we think in our world because of um, addictions or, or challenges, um, problems that people face. Um, sober is a turning away from those types of things. It is the acknowledgement that certain things will creep in on our lives and certain things will gain control of us. They will. We're human. It happens in different ways. I mean, you can't just label this term sober toward one particular substance. I mean, there are a multitude of ways that, that humans get pulled into this world. And we get pulled into seeing things and experiencing things, perhaps to drown out pain, uh, to ignore the realities of ourselves, to, to con continue to maintain perhaps an image, but never face the substance, never deal with what it is that's truly on the inside of us. A and so sober means that we actually would take a step to help ourselves physically move beyond the challenges that ail us internally. But, but that's the catch, is that so many times um, we, we use that word sober to describe our physical state and our physical problems. But Simon Peter understands something even greater. The key to really living a sober life is having a sober spirit. For your life actually flows from your spirit. How you live and how you deal with the struggles and the challenges of life actually flow from what's on the inside of you. And what's on the inside of you is what empowers you to actually either overcome or succumb to the challenges and the struggles that are going to come your way. We all are going to face them because we are human. At the end of the day, we are all made of the same substance and God as our Father knows in his grace and his mercy that even in the midst of our living on this earth and the challenges that come at us, we can overcome if our spirits are sober, if we pay attention to what he has for us. And so Simon Peter, as he goes into this concept of how to live sober lives, spiritually awake, keenly aware, of what's going on. He teaches us how to do it. And the life lesson today, if you're taking notes, I, I encourage you, you want to write this down because it always ends and begins with one person, Jesus. And Jesus is the one. He is the one who protects us and perfects us during our temporary struggle on earth. Jesus is the one who protects us. And in the midst of him protecting us, he's also through our struggles, through our moments of challenge, through our lack of understanding, and perhaps even through our lapses of faith. Jesus is the one using it all to not only protect us, but to perfect us. How? During our struggles and our struggles in this world, they are temporary, even though they seem real and they're overwhelming and they create anxiety and stress and responses that are not of God. 
Even in the midst of that, Jesus is using that to perfect us. He uses our struggles and he protects us and he perfects us during our temporary struggle and our temporary time on earth. When I, when I look at this passage, I, I want to use a phrase to kind of echo this principle today as we look at what Simon Peter would write to Christians then. And we can learn about it in our lives today in the midst of our struggles. Because I have spent a lot of time understanding I'm struggling, you're struggling, people are struggling. I see it. I spend a lot of time. And here's what's funny. It's not just believers. It's unbelievers. It's everybody. And what I realize in this moment is that for every single person on the planet, first and foremost, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. I, I have some friends that we get together and we talk about life. And we talk about life. We talk about what's going on personally, internally, um, relationally. We talk about all things. And, and sometimes we have this phrase and it's kind of a it's kind of I guess our dude thing or whatever and like man we'll we'll fist bump now or shoulder bump now and be like man the struggle is real now now here's the thing the struggle is real for you and I um, and the struggle is real you can fill in the blank but this is what Simon Peter helps us understand in how to stay sober and beat whatever the struggle it is that you're facing and by the way right now a lot of people think it's just uh, some kind of physical sickness but I can tell you I'm spending a lot of time with people and it's not just physical sickness that people are dealing with or afraid of a lot of people going through a lot of mental moments right now. And they need people that are standing beside them in this moment. A lot of emotional stuff and deep darkness that people are trying to process. And they need people bringing them hope. It's not only physical. It's emotional. It is mental. And first and foremost, it's spiritual. Every problem that you and I have in this world, every struggle that you and I are going to face, every struggle that both Christian and non-Christian alike will face, first and foremost is a spiritual problem. The struggle is real and it is spiritual to begin with. You'll want to understand that. Simon Peter helped his audience understand that every struggle begins first and foremost spiritually. It's not the physical. Though we run to that first, it first begins spiritually. Out of life, every decision, every choice, every action, every determination, every response comes from within. It's not just physical. It's spiritual. How do we know that? Well, he says, be, be of sober spirit. Pay attention. Your adversary the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. There is this reality and, and this analogy that Simon Peter gives that the king of beasts, as we would call a lion on earth, well, it's only an analogy to the king of beasts spiritually who is out to destroy every life. Uh, John actually refers to this in his gospel and he says, the thief, he comes to do a certain thing for every person. He comes to steal from you. He comes to kill you, your soul, your will, your spirit, your life. 
and he comes to destroy you. Everything good that God would have for you as his son or daughter, the thief, the devil, the adversary, the one that Simon Peter refers to as this roaring lion, he's seeking to devour everything about you. But do you see it? You may see the physical effect of it, but most of the time what happens in the greatest really lie that many of us, that, the, that, that we would fall into is that, well, he's not out there. This is not a spiritual battle. There's nothing going on beyond what I know with my intellect, uh, intellect or that I can solve with my finance or, or my strength. That's how life works. And yet that's the greatest lie that the, that the devil could lull us into believing is that there's not a spiritual force at work behind everything. And every bit of destruction, death, harm, anything that would fragment your emotions, your spirit, your life, it begins somewhere. It begins somewhere and it's not just, oh, I have cancer. Oh, uh, oh, well, there's this virus that I'm protecting myself from. Oh, uh, oh uh, my finances are in disarray. Oh, my relationships are falling apart. Man, uh, oh, I'm depressed or I'm discouraged or uh, I need help. It starts somewhere. And it starts spiritually. And the struggles that you and I face always come from an adversary. From someone who is against you, not for you, but someone who wants to tear you down and take away what is good for you. And that's where in overcoming and remaining sober of spirit and sober of soul and sober of heart in this world, we have to acknowledge, yes, the struggle is real. And that struggle begins spiritually. That there is an enemy that is out to destroy what is good for you. To take from you what belongs to you as a child of God. And when I look at this and understand that's what is happening. Then I can understand that this spiritual battle is then reflected physical. You see, the reality of the spiritual battles that we fight, they show up physically. They show up in our mental fragmentation. They show up in our emotions in disarray. They show up in actions and choices that we make that we try to respond to this world around us. And we try to deal with our struggles in a certain way. And we try to gloss over them or, or cover them with some type of substance or busyness or, or relationship or finance. And we try to fill that void over and over again. But the physical is only a reflection of the spiritual. And if you want to overcome the temporary struggles that you and I will face as people, it begins with this acknowledgement that there is a spiritual battle that plays out in a physical world and therefore I need help. I need help. If I want to beat an adversary, by the way, who's been playing the game longer than we've been alive. I mean, if you back this thing up to Genesis and you take what the early accounts of Genesis reveal that, that even the first Adam and the first Eve, they were beautiful in all their perfection and relationship with God. And the devil even had a way of messing that up. And if he could do that since the beginning of time and he's been perfecting the craft ever since, then guess what? Then we can get played very simply and very easily because he's been working at it a long time. 
to disrupt and bring the lives of the children of God into disarray. That's what he does. But if we want to beat him in his own battle spiritually, and if we want to overcome and deal with our temporary struggles physically, then we have to realize we need help. You see, the struggle is real, but number two is what I see in this. Understanding that Jesus is my protector and Jesus is my perfecter in the midst of my struggles, then I realize that not only is the struggle real, but the need for encouragement is great. The need for encouragement is great. And notice what Simon Peter says to people who are being attacked by the enemy, being attacked through circumstances, being attacked spiritually, and yet they may not even realize it. And so he has to remind them and share that with them. Notice what he says. This is what you can do. And he offers great encouragement. He says, resist him. You, as a child of God, can resist him. And you, as a child of God, can stand. And you can stand firm, even when he's coming at you in the attacks. You can do that. And then he shows you how. And he offers examples of encouragement. And so he begins and he talks about these people and he talks about, hey, you can encourage, what great encouragement. You can resist him. You can stand firm. And then he gives some examples. And he says, consider this. All of your brothers and sisters in the world, all of those who trust in Jesus in this world, all of those who are putting their hope in God in this world, guess what? They are experiencing the same sufferings that you are. And yet they are enduring. They are accomplishing. God is working through them just like he's working in you. So guess what? You are not alone. You can do this and you can do this in the family of God. You can do this with people around you, encouraging you. And the need for encouragement is great. And consider that there are people all around the world who are battling, suffering, struggling, and yet they are overcoming just like you. Take encouragement from them. Oh, but then he just, he doesn't just stop with the general assembly of Christians in the world. No, then he gives some specifics. And so he names this guy and he gives his name and he drops it in there. Hey, Sylvanus, who is a dear brother to me, someone who brings exhortation and encouragement. He sends you the best. Now you and I go, who is Sylvanus? But yet, if you lived in that generation and you understood the people of God and the leadership of God and the, the people that were trying to encourage brothers and sisters in faith, you knew that Sylvanus was a faithful disciple back then who would bring encouragement and uplift and support people of God gathered in churches all around the known world. Oh, and then he doesn't just stop there about this person who brings great encouragement. No, then he, he mentions this lady and it says, she who is in Babylon. Now, now he doesn't name drop her and it may have been for protection because Babylon was this term that was given to this really anti-Christ 
society, an anti-Jesus society, a part of the Roman Empire where everything looked great on the outside, but yet on the inside it was turning more and more against anyone who named Christ. And so he doesn't mention her name. Why? Because she's in Rome. She's in the belly of Babylon, so to speak. And so he doesn't mention her, but yet he says, she is well, she's with you. She's an example of someone who's living in the capital of capitals, in the place of evil, in this impact of society. She's there as a follower of Jesus, and yet she's firm in her faith, and she sends you encouragement. Wow. Oh, oh, and then he doesn't stop there. He, he gives another specific person. And he says, my son Mark also sends you great encouragement. All right, Mark, who is Mark? Well, tradition would say, if you look at scripture, this Mark, this person that Simon Peter mentions, is actually one of his scribes, letter writers as well, and most likely the same person from which when you read the gospel of Mark, it's this person. And so the very writer of the second book of the New Testament sends out his great encouragement to people who are living in the midst of struggle. And he says, listen, through Christ, you can beat the enemy. The struggle is real and it's spiritual and it's physical, but great encouragement will get you through. So how do I show great encouragement? How do you show great encouragement? How do we as people reflect great encouragement to others? Number one, learn to show grace. One of the things that I've learned during this season of life for me is that everybody needs a lot of grace, a lot of grace. Your coworkers, they need a lot of grace. Your family, they need a lot of grace. Your boyfriends, your girlfriends, your people in your household, your wife, your children, your grandparents, your grandchildren, everybody I meet right now needs a lot of grace. And believer, let me help you understand something else. Unbelievers need a lot of grace right now. Everybody needs a lot of grace. Do you know what Simon Peter writes here? He says, listen, you can resist the devil. You can stand firm in your faith. And after you have suffered for a little while, after you have suffered for a little while, whatever it is, fill in the blank, whatever your suffering is, after you suffered for a little while, the God of all grace. Now, before we get to all the good stuff, and we're going to talk about all the good stuff in just a minute, stop right there. Simon Peter acknowledges God as the God of all grace, all grace. Christian, child of God, son of Adam and daughter of Eve, if you want to reflect this great principle of encouragement that everybody needs right now, then your best reflection of God and of his son Jesus is to show a little more grace to the people around you. Everybody I know right now needs grace. I get the emails. I get the phone calls. I meet them. And that's for my believing friends as well as my unbelieving friends. 
Everybody needs a lot of grace. So if you want to be a reflection of the God of all grace, then we learn to show grace. Why? Because the need for encouragement is great. Likewise, he not only talks about grace in this passage, but he also talks about and he ends with this word peace. Peace be to all of you who are in Christ. Peace be to all of you who are in Christ. This is a fascinating end to the letter. It's a fascinating conclusion. Because what he says is at the end of all things, all struggles, all realities, the best thing that you can do is have peace. The best thing that you can do to battle through your struggles is to experience peace. And therefore, we not only need to learn to show grace, we need to show peace. There's something about a peace of soul that a relationship with Jesus brings you. It means that you are right with God. You're right with God when everything else is wrong. You're right with God when the world goes nuts, when there are not answers, when you can't figure it out, you can't solve it with might and intellect, but you are right with God. Your soul is at peace. Why? Because you are in Christ. You are in relationship with Jesus. And by being in relationship with Jesus, you are right with God. You are at peace with God. And, and while your life may look like a wreck and your circumstances may be falling apart, it doesn't matter because God in his sovereignty, in his divinity, he has placed over you this divine sense of peace where everything else in your life may feel like it's going to hell in a handbasket, but let it drop because God, you've got me. You've got me in Christ. Let me tell you something. The grip of Jesus will just never let you go. Yesterday I was doing this little workout and it was crazy. Our trainers were saying, hey, we want you to carry this big heavy weight with your fingertips and we want you to carry it this distance five times and back type of thing. And so anyways, I'm doing it first round, no big deal. Second round, no big deal. Third round, it hurt. The fourth round, I dropped it about halfway. The fifth round, shoot, it was like drop, carry, drop, carry, drop, carry. My grip was weak. Now it was good to begin with. And see, that's how we approach life sometimes. We think I got a hold on this. I can tackle this. But eventually, as you walk through your temporary struggle, it's going to wear you down. It does. It's going to wear you down over time. Temptation is that way. Challenges are that way. Your emotions are that way. Your body ultimately is that way. But let me tell you something. In Christ means that he has you. And those who he has, even as the gospels say, he will never let you go no one can snatch you out of the hand of Jesus. No one. Not even the devil himself. So we learn in the midst of life where the struggle is real, that is spiritual and also physical, where we learn that the people around us, there is this great need for encouragement. And so we must learn to show grace and we must learn to show and share peace. Then we get to the good news. 
And Simon Peter doesn't just take this passage and say, boy, you've got an enemy and he's coming against you and, and you're going to be beat down in your struggles, regardless of how temporary or long term they feel. No, he gets to the good news. And here's the third thing that I understand. And this is why that being in Christ and understanding who he is as my protector and my perfecter is so important. Because the third thing is that not only is there a real struggle that we must overcome and a need for encouragement that is truly great, but there is victory. And that victory is guaranteed. That victory is guaranteed. As I look at this passage, what he tells us about the devil is that he is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And so he gives us this formula for overcoming our enemy. And step number one that we have to understand when we face our temporary challenges and struggles in this world is it begins with resistance. And I must learn as a follower of Jesus, someone claimed by Jesus, I must learn to resist the darkness. Everything about what this world is going through, spiritually beginning, physically expressing, everything that we see that creates darkness of emotion, of life, of health, all of that that's coming against you and all of the people that I know, how do you stand against it? Well, you resist the darkness. You do not let the devil come at you. And that is a very simple step that Simon Peter says, you can practice as a follower of God to overcome your struggles. The darkness is going to come at you. It's going to come at your mind, your emotions, your life, but resist it. Now, this is fascinating the way that he describes this, because so many times when we think of resistance, we think resistance means fight back, right? But here's the thing. What's the analogy that he gives to the devil in this? He calls him a roaring lion. The lion on this world, as we think of a lion, is the greatest king of all beasts, right? And so if a lion is coming at you and you're going to resist the lion and you, let's say, because some people say, well, I'm just going to punch the devil in the face, right? Um, you try to punch a lion in the face, you're going to lose an arm. I have a friend that served missionary in Africa and he described what it was like to actually see a real lion. And, and you know, it's funny because like he didn't talk about how awesome the, the hair was, you know. Um, he did acknowledge that the roar is pretty spine tingling and scary. Like every animal pays attention when the lion roars, every animal. But what he acknowledged was the most fascinating part was the paw of the lion he said you would not believe how big that cat's foot is like when you see a track on the ground of the lion it's like this is a big beast well interestingly enough when you look at how simon peter describes how we stand up against the beast you resist him but how Punch him in the mouth, it's not going to work. People have been trying that and being beat down forever. How? Well, that's the second part of the formula. You stand firm. 
in your faith. You stand firm in your faith. Your victory is guaranteed when you resist the darkness that comes against you. And how do you resist? You stand firm in your faith. Something that is not seen explicitly, but it is expressly revealed in what you believe and how you trust in spite of what's going on around you. It is something where you know, God, you've got this. And I'm going to trust you in spite of what I see or don't see, what I feel or don't feel. God, I am going to trust you by faith. And that's what faith is. You know, it's interesting because so many times we think that faith is genuinely expressed. When everything is perfect, faith is actually genuinely expressed when it's all falling apart. That's when faith actually comes to the surface. Because that's the moment where you can't prop God up based on your health, which he doesn't need you to prop him up for that. You can't prop him up based on your financial strength, but he doesn't need your money. You can't prop God based on how you think about him or how you think about the world because that never works either. God doesn't need any of that. You come to a moment where you're empty of yourself and you are able to say, okay, you've got this. And I trust you. I trust you when I see you. I trust you when I don't. I trust you when I feel you and I trust you when I don't. I trust you when I think you're working, but I'm not sure. I'm just going to trust you because that's who you are. You are God. And so in the midst of that, we stand against the enemy in faith. And why are we able to do that? This is the third part of your victorious guaranteed life over the enemy and you're able to do that when you remember who you are you have to remember your calling verse 10 after you have suffered for a little while what's a little while is it a day is it a month i don't know i mean i thought we would be beyond culturally and physically in this world where we are today but we're not so a little while it could be a week it could be a month it could be a year it could be 10 it could be your lifetime but after You've suffered for a little while. The God of all grace. Who, by the way, called you to his eternal glory in Christ. The God of all grace who called you. He called you. He called you by name. He called you by spirit. He called you by heart. He called you out of darkness into life. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory. Not despair. Not darkness. Not depression. Not defeat. He called you to his eternal glory. How? In Christ. Through what Christ has done. And the sacrifice. And the power of Jesus in his resurrection. He's called you to victory. He's called you to glory. And he's guaranteeing that that's going to happen. Even in the midst of your struggles. Because even after you have struggled. And suffered for a little while. However long that is. And whatever it looks like. He will. Confirm you. He will. 
perfect you. He will strengthen your heart, your soul, your mind, your spirit. And he will establish you as one of his children, both in this world and in the victorious glory of the next. And it is guaranteed and not even the devil himself, the king of beasts and the one who torments us in this world all the time. Not even he can stop it. That is who you are. That is what he's called you. Son of Adam and daughter of Eve. That is who you are in the worst of your humanity. Yet it is the best of what his spirit has done to call you his son, his daughter, his child. And by acknowledging and remembering. I'm called. I'm called his son. I'm called his daughter. And therefore... There's nothing in this suffering world that will ever take me away from him or keep me down or keep me out of what God has for me. Your victory is guaranteed. It's guaranteed. So as we think about what it means to live sober, it's really a spiritual thing. The struggles in life are real. And they begin spiritually and they are expressed physically, but yet to overcome them all, it means that we get our spirit right with God. And as we do that, then we can overcome the physical challenges and the sufferings that Simon Peter would reference that we all go through. And then we realize that how do we do that? Well, you can't do it alone. You can't do it isolating. You can't do it quarantining your soul, your faith, your relationships. That'll never work. I hope you're listening to me. It doesn't work. It doesn't make it better. You know what makes it better? Encouragement. Because the need for everybody is great encouragement. And it requires a lot of grace and a lot of peace. And we can be vessels of that. And then that kind of begins to reveal this reality that those who are in Christ, they are victorious. They may not look victorious today, but it is guaranteed that they are going to be victorious Because Jesus is their protector. And Jesus is their perfecter. And he is how we overcome sober-minded, even in the midst of our temporary struggles on earth. That's good, isn't it? And what a great way to finish this letter And to prepare our hearts for even what may lie ahead. And turning to the one who calls us his children. And who is going to defeat our enemy one day. Can I pray with you? Father, I I just thank you for reminders that are beyond ourselves. Beyond what we could come up with. I, I thank you for truth that is not based on circumstance or emotions. I thank you for words that don't come from people but reflect a greater glory, which is yours. So Father, I want to thank you today for for all of my friends. There are some who, who by faith trust in Jesus explicitly for their soul satisfaction and their salvation. And 
And yet they in this time realize as well that they, they need you to continue to build up their faith. God, I thank you for my friends who, who are not there yet, who are, who are not yet believers and followers of Christ, but yet as people they're realizing that the needs are great in this day. And I thank you for them. And I ask that through your grace and your mercy, that even now you'll continue to speak to their hearts and build them up. Because you are a good God who's drawing us to you. And I thank you for truth. Truth that is built on grace. Truth that brings our souls to peace. Truth that was grounded in love. The love that you have for us. Revealed through your son Jesus in our soul salvation and in our life satisfaction. You are a good God. We thank you for our time today and I pray your best on all of your children here and now. In the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Well, I, I want to thank you for not only being here today, but I, I want to remind you that we're going to make a strategic shift starting next week. One of the things that I have seen, and it's really blessed me, is how people want to be together, even in circumstances that don't allow us to be together. And we've recognized that our family at 9 a.m., 9.15, and our family at 11, we can accommodate everyone because of the greatness and blessing of our God in this facility. We can keep everyone safe and spread out and yet we can bring more of a family feel and quite frankly, a better gathering of the believers together, not forsaking our gathering together, but maximizing even in these days where we need great encouragement, we can maximize that by bringing both families into one. And there's plenty of space to do that. So starting next week at 10 a.m., we're going to one worship service for our entire family. And for those of you in our online family, yes, 10 a.m., we're coming to you as well. And we understand there are a lot of you who cannot be here now. Um, and you, you, you're just not ready, and that's okay. We love you. So we're going to continue to come to your home, to your life. And thank you for being a part of these moments. And keep doing it. And in the right time, we'll be back together. And you will want to be a part this community in person because there's something about encouragement that happens in the body in community by individuals together so we look forward to seeing you as well we're going to continue to do this until we get through this together with great encouragement so we'll begin that next sunday and let me say this your faithfulness in giving during this time has been amazing Thank you to all of you who have continued to be faithful with your tithes, with your gifts, with your offerings. As you exit today, you can drop those in our gift boxes on the way out. It's amazing that those of you who've been faithful with your finances, it's just miraculous. And I know that there are many who've been challenged and you're not able to. And God is going to get all of us through this together. And I'm very grateful for this entire family where we can support one another. Those who are continuing to be able to and those who are struggling right now. And those struggles are real. So we're going to work together through this entire time. So I want to thank you for all of you being faithful and for our online family. You continue to do this, do this as well as you look at the links and how to do it. And I want to thank you. Most of all. Today, as we finish this letter, we'll start a new series next week. I want you to walk out of here with 
with the grace of God upon your life, with peace over your soul, and knowing that, yes, the struggles, they are real, but your victory and mine is guaranteed. God bless you all, and I'll see you next week.